Hey everybody, welcome to the New World Pictures Podcast, where we talk about every single movie released by New World Pictures, and sometimes movies that were nearly released by New World Pictures, such as this episode. I'm Ryan, with me as always is Mark. I'm having the worst May ever. <laughs> That's right, because we are in Mark's miserable, marvelous May. Uh, also joining us is Erica. Hey guys, I'm feeling a little pod sick sick podcast sick oh oh Can you, do you guys wanna, just, do you just me to, wait here yeah do you, i'll just pull over and... just kidding zoink stealing the podcast stealing the podcast <laughs> that was a real stretch but i'm really no, no. trying to uh... i get it we get it yeah. Yeah. all right yeah. okay yeah. all right uh, joining us for this episode uh he is the author of two volumes of the canon film guide uh incredible books you need to get them i'm holding them up right now they are they they help me also get a workout in they're extremely heavy <laughs> yes extensive uh, extensive research and they're so fun they're such great reads austin trunick is joining us for this episode welcome to the show hey thank you thank you thank you thank you for having me guys <laughs> uh it's so great having you on here and um I wanted to bring you on also because, I mean, you just know everything there is to know about canon. And this is a movie that wasn't released by New World uh, for reasons we'll get into, but but wasn't also released by canon, but is close. Yes, very, very close. As close as you can get to an offshoot of that company <laughs> as, as, as possible. Yeah, because uh, and of course, the movie that we're talking about, this is a nearly New World, could have been New World. We're talking about not the 1990 version of Captain America. Where'd you get your guinea pig? Happens to be the best damn candidate out of 600 volunteers. A secret experiment gave one man the strength of a hundred. For the rest of the world, he's just codenamed Captain America. And the power to save millions. The Jerry's have an experimental rocket ready to fire at a target somewhere in the United States. Only he could defeat a superhuman madman. They got a fellow called the Red Skull heading up their outfit. But saving the world left him trapped in an icy grave until fate released him to finish a battle started decades ago. Ronnie Cox, Kim Gillingham, Scott Pollan as the Red Skull, and Matt Salinger as the Marvel Comics hero, Captain America. <laughs> the strength of a hundred men. Or one and a half extra men. <laughs> no, not one and a half. Just what all the experiment did was cure him of polio. That's all that happened. I, I thought polio was more damaging. I didn't realize it just gave you a bit of a limp. I thought polio would really take you down. I thought it was like a much more damaging disease. But I mean, I, I admit I, I must be ignorant about polio. There's a bunch with polio right now they're so pissed off at you right <laughs> yeah we are very popular amongst the, the uh, amongst people with polio that they're our it, biggest fans it gave him the power to do backflips and front flips all over the <laughs> right all over this yes. movie so mm -hmm. yes yeah but yeah i don't know about much else as far as powers i guess yeah he, 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 he never really 
<laughs> yes, he can survive uh, bullet wounds. So he does really have to good. spend a few no. weeks in the hospital. So, so can he's... anybody who goes to a hospital and isn't shot in the heart <laughs> or the head? All he was in one of the major nerve centers. An, an experiment that cured him of a limp and made him super into parkour. That is all. <laughs> that's Captain America. <laughs> I have to admit, uh, you know, for this being Mark's miserable, marvelous May uh, and where we're going to watch superhero movies, I I have to thank the three of you for picking a movie that Are is not, not oh. about a superhero. So, <laughs> wow. Like, you know what that sounds movie. like to me, Mark? Villain talk. Mm. Somebody just outed themselves as a villain. Uh-oh. Villain talk. Villain chat. Just saying. I'm just saying, you f- it feels like you're about to punch through the window and grab my child and take them away. So I don't know. You do you, but I'm just going to make sure the kids are safe. Give me five minutes. <laughs> do you want- the villains don't normally adhere to that five-minute lead-in rule. They're not going to be like, I'm going to close no, my that's eyes. That's exactly what a villain would say, Mark. <laughs> and maybe I already secured them. I'm trying to trick you. That piano was fake. It's a bomb. <laughs> Uh, now, the reason we're talking about this particular movie is because Marvel or Marvel was purchased by New World Pictures in 1986. So they uh, which we talked about in a previous episode we discussed in our Death of the Incredible Hulk episode. Uh, but oddly enough, uh, Marvel uh, had already sold off the rights to C- Captain America and Whoops. Spider-Man. So they Whoops. bought Marvel, but didn't have the rights to those two films. Is, is that right, Austin? That's correct. They paid a Malcolm Gone and Canon Films paid two hundred twenty-five grand for the rights to Spider-Man and Captain America. He was offered the full an option on the full Marvel universe of characters for one million dollars, but he considered Hulk. Thought Hulk had been already done. He'd already been done on TV, even though they had Lou Ferrigno in the Canon stable at that point. Uh huh. The Hercules movies decided just to cherry pick what he thought were the only two marketable characters that they wow. had the movies and, and they never ended you... up ma- making the spider-man movie at all no no after many years of development going through the hands of toby hooper <laughs> joe zito at canon finally to the director of our film today and it, he ended up turning that it it became cyborg eventually what sure, the, the right. production for their spider-man movie became but it's it's interesting because even though they bought captain america and spider-man it's interesting to see you can look through the Canon catalogs and their marketing materials that they spent at every festival, and you can see how how they put the value of the two. Spider-Man was always the first or second page of the catalogs that they did after whatever Death Wish or uh, Chuck Norris movie they had coming out that year. <laughs> Captain America in their 1985 catalog is on the 15th page, and it's behind things like Rappin and Detective School <laughs> Dropouts and things like that. So... Wow. They, I think I think the they probably were paying in their minds two hundred grand for the Spider Man rights, and that extra twenty five is just like a Captain America throw in. They tried, wow. yeah, they tried really hard to get Spider Man made, but I don't think they tried quite as hard with with this one. <laughs> no, wow. no, which just goes to show if you don't try so hard, you can actually get something made. <laughs> yes. Hollywood by Mark. <laughs> Mark, Mark. Mark's Hollywood Insider Tips. <laughs> hey, filmmakers, trying hard? Stop. Stop. Do that. Now, as soon as you stop, two things. If you stop stressing and stop trying, you'll either one, make a movie or a baby. <laughs> 
<laughs> all these tips are just either, the diagram for these tips are very yeah. interesting. Either of those can be stolen through a window. I just want to let everybody know. Just be careful. Don't keep your movies or your babies near a ground floor window. Or your pies. <laughs> <laughs> no, excuse me. So so the the director of this film, Albert Pion, uh, did make Cyborg. That's the movie he made right before he makes Captain America. But he was going to make not only a Spider-Man movie, but simultaneously a Masters of the Universe movie. Correct. Yeah, the, the oh, films wow. were supposed to be shot essentially back to back, but actually Spider-Man shooting for two weeks before and all the Peter Parker stuff. Right. And then the Spider-Man actor would have eight weeks off to get ripped, take a bunch of steroids, train for a while. And well, they shot Masters of the Universe too. <laughs> and then when that was right. over, the Peter Parker actor would come back and they'd show him recovering from his radioactive spider bite and he'd just be this jacked like muscular <laughs> dude and that's i think that i mean if they had more time and budget that's probably one of the ideas that pune would have probably wanted to use for captain america for his steve rogers right transformation. right yeah oh, i wow. mean did did they cast uh, peter parker i mean did they have somebody cast for that part they had a stuntman in mind uh scott leva but it was never it never got close enough. They 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 got to mm. building sets and they had a script, but they had not done the casting at that point. And, and they take the sets from I have to think Masters of the Universe to turn it into Cyborg, right? Right. There's actually you can see a little bit of their New York. They they shot it all at Dino De Laurentiis Studios down in the Carolinas, and you can see a little bit of like the facade of the Daily Bugle. There's the scene in Cyborg where he uh, Van Damme is fighting Vincent Clin. The, the the main mm -hmm. bad guy in the rain mm -hmm. it's very wet and it, it kind of looks like some new york frontage like cityscape and that would have been the front like their new york street they would have done for the establishing going in and out of the daily bugle for peter <laughs> but the costumes you can see all over in cyborg uh the main bad guy wears the same chainmail out outfit as one of skeletor's cronies uh blade wears oh wow yes. okay a lot yeah. of the costumes are reused <laughs> And uh, Albert Pune then goes after that and he makes a movie called Deceit, which uh, also has Norbert Weiser, who is in this movie as well. And Norbert Weiser uh, was in uh, New World Pictures' Android, um, which we talked about. Also, more famously, and always burned into my memory, as one of the Norwegians uh, hanging off the helicopter in the very beginning of the thing. But he was a he was a all roads. I mean, all, all roads, roads lead to the thing. I mean, <laughs> all roads. I mean, <laughs> thank you for always bringing yeah, us back. I always got to bring. Well, it's the movie I've seen, you know, over a hundred or so times. So I mean, it it always leads back. Um, so yeah, so he's in this one. He's one of the guys that uh that helps uh unfreeze uh Captain America, or rather. <laughs> takes the block of ice and then is wowed when he suddenly bursts forth from the block of ice uh, in this. But he was one of the main stars in Deceit. And then I think they give that up because at this point, this is 21st century film distribution. Mm -hmm. And that's who releases this movie. And at this point, he gave that movie, Albert Pune gave that movie to them to sell, to have more money, I guess, for this, <laughs> for Captain America. But he's making Captain America because also the rights are almost up, I believe. And they have to make Captain America before it's too late. That's why they... Another thing that works into your uh, your advice, Mark. <laughs> Don't work too hard. And then when it comes down to it, the deadline, you got to get it in by the deadline. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes per when you procrastinate long enough, you get a movie. <laughs> <laughs> or a baby. 
Hollywood. Or a pie. I don't know. It's It all works. So it's Hollywood Parenting and Cooking by Mark. <laughs> now, do I have all this straight, Austin? I don't know if I do, but. Yeah, it's that it all sounds good to me so far. Yeah. <laughs> yes! Perfect. Nice. Now good work, Dome. Thank good you. Work. I'm trying. I hit a buzzer sound if you make a if you make error. <laughs> Terrific. That's good. I'm Foul gonna shot. need that. That that's that's in, that, that's inspiring. <laughs> um, um now have you you had seen this before. When when was the first time you saw the original Captain this Captain America? So this one is fun because I have I go way back this this and Dolph's Punisher. This was my Marvel MCU when I was oh, a, yeah. a kid. Like I totally. loved both of these movies and <laughs> it's it's fun watching it now. I, I recently I rewatched it. My wife had not seen it before. And okay. I was I was excited because I'm like, hey, you know, you can watch this with me. I used to watch this a ton as a kid. And so it was it was it was fun to revisit with with her. But also with me, it's been a very long time. I've spent a lot of time in the recent year reading earlier versions of Captain America from when it was still with canon for when Michael. Dick, okay. Michael, when Michael Winner was in charge, he, when he was going to direct it and then when John Stockwell right. was going to direct it. So the director of Death Wish yes. was going to <laughs> direct Captain America. Yes, makes sense. And, yeah, <laughs> makes perfect sense. The the, the the British director of <laughs> a bunch of famous exploitation movies. That sounds like the best person to handle mm-hmm. you know, the most patriotic superhero. But it so this is something I used to watch a lot. I actually remember having a I had a Halloween like a plastic hard plastic shell skull mask, and at one point trying to. Spray. I spray painted it red, so I would try to look more like the Red Skull for a Halloween costume one year. But this was, this is this is a movie I, I I loved back in the day. And after reading all of those earlier canon Captain America scripts, I was surprised it held up <laughs> better than I expected because the the ones that the ones that came before this would have looked much worse than this, which that which tells you. <laughs> Wow, where it came from, wow. and and does wow. are the scripts very different from what this one? Because I I know that they had they had had this script. The script is written by Stephen Tolkien, and mm-hmm. they had this script already. And and Pion like picked it up, and I think he used mm-hmm. an older version than even the one that they were working on at the time. It it develops quite a bit. There were several different versions. The first version was the there was a Jim Silk script who wrote Revenge of the Ninja, The Barbarians, um, Sahara, a bunch of canon stuff. <laughs> He he wrote one that was all set in World War II, which is okay. kind of cool. And that would have been essentially Captain America First Avenger, really. Yeah, yeah. And it's essentially would have stuck with like those early it was based on those like kind of forties comics like that came out before they brought the character back in the in the sixties and the Avengers and all that, Stan Lee. And, but he that was the first that that one that one didn't last long because Michael Winner came on board and Michael Winner, who had never, never read a comic book, didn't know anything about him, but didn't care. Shocking. Shocking. He went, Michael Winner. Yeah. <laughs> went into London, his, his local comic shop after getting the job, bought one single issue of Captain America and asked if anybody had heard of the character. This is a, this is a comic <laughs> shop full of big comic book fans. So yeah. 
one kid claims to know, like a teenager, knows that he knows everything about the character. He knows all the Marvel characters. And so Michael Winter loads him up into one of his Rolls Royces and takes Was the everybody the else and... just too embarrassed to be like, yeah, I, I, I also know everything. <laughs> I, me too. Me too. Yeah. Well, <laughs> only one on had the, the guts to admit it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, he went into the one shop where everyone was like, ooh, that's the one character I don't know. I mean, <laughs> God, if he'd said Blue Beetle, I would be, I would have been, I would have been set. <laughs> yeah it's the one guy i don't know i'm embarrassed yeah oh it was this this kid joins the writing team this this <gasps> no so he's way. unaccredited but he's he's living at basically working nine to five at michael winner's house with uh stan hay another writer who doesn't know anything that hasn't read captain america <laughs> comics right, but they're right. consulting oh all of their knowledge is coming from this kid about the character and the, the stack of comics that they have in front of them, like the current like 1984, 85 issues mm-hmm. that they that That's were like on the newsstand at the had, time. Right? You're that kid. <laughs> yes. Yes. Plucked from yeah. obscurity. I, I actually want to see show. this movie. To be right. Honest. I really want to Let's see this movie. Let's make this movie, this you guys. This Mark, how do we do it? Well, for, first of all, how long before the cops showed up and was like, do you have this kid? All right, Mark's out, guys. Austin, it's Mark's just the three of us. It. Mark's overthinking it. Mark's overthinking it. It's just the three of us. Is, guy walks into comic book shop, asks ki- kids who likes Captain America, grabs kid, throws him in Rolls Royce, and keeps him hostage in his house until a, screen, until a screenplay's written. Is that how it worked out? Because that's how I'm tracking this. It's pretty darn close. Yeah, okay. Cool, cool, cool. I, w- I wouldn't say anything there is entirely untruthful okay okay yeah they wrote a script that is bonkers compared to this uh I i'm just imagine. trying to think some of the stuff in the michael winter version there is the red skull is just he's pretty much just adolf hitler's personal butler in this comic that mm-hmm. they mm. decide to turn in so he's not a he doesn't have this backstory he's just hitler handpicks hitler is a character in the michael winter script they would have had to cast him and have him play a role in there the he's not Charles Bronson I have to think (laughs) he's not the only villain there's another villain named Rocky Roulette uh, Ricky Roulette who Michael Winter had hoped to cast Elton John but he's like this hedonistic rock star who uh has women on a roulette table Captain America has to go rescue all these women who have been kidnapped that are being auctioned off on a on a roulette table to all these uh all of these you know, foreign dignitaries and businessmen and oil sheiks and things like that. It's a very Michael, Michael Winter element. And the the main plot, like one of the main things that happens is it has the freezing and waking up in, in 1986. But in 1986, uh, Michael Winter has a, or why am I saying Michael Winter? But the Red Skull, <laughs> I'm superimposing his name. The Red Skull has a shrink ray and he steals the Statue of Liberty. And that is what Captain America has to get back at at one point the the shrunken Statue of Liberty and steal the shrink ray to get it back to its normal size. It's it's wild, just, just like they always had it. That's how they always, that's how they invented it. That's that was like the first story, the first uh, Captain America story was him doing that, right? <laughs> I think at some point Cap, Captain probably probably unshrunk the Statue of Liberty somewhere in this. <laughs> What eighty years or yeah, he's been yeah, around now? Yeah. He had to shrink the comic. Statue of Liberty at some point. Everybody has to do it at some point. Every, every fifteen years or something in the story cycle, they that have old to... tired comic book yeah. trope. It's a rite of passage. <laughs> Unshrink Lady Liberty. But my, Marvel saw Winter's script and basically had him removed from the project because they <laughs> they realized this guy didn't give a crap and mm-hmm. yeah, and 
So, yeah, then it goes through a different bunch of rewrites. Marvel kind of realizes that they can't just leave it to, you know, one rich, eccentric British millionaire and whatever kid he finds at a comic shop. Who kidnaps children. <laughs> Who kidnaps yeah. children. So it's not, not a good... He and employed it goes, him. I mean, come on. <laughs> that's yeah. that's like, trafficking at that point, then. Yeah, he paid yeah. him in comic books, so, I mean... <laughs> like, saying, like, Ryan, Ryan would have gone. If he, yeah, if he yeah, 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 yeah. You get, you get this giant stack of comic books, I'm like, I'm in. What do I, two or three weeks writing a movie? You got it. <laughs> Goodbye, family! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the scripts get closer and closer to what we see in the 1990 Captain America, though, through various writers and, and rewrites. Okay. In so the, in the in the Michael Winter version, did Captain America get into the unfairly maligned rabbit pickup truck, or was that written in a later version? Because that was one of my favorite scenes. Are we doing favorite scenes? I know this is not, not, yet, not, though, not but, a typical part oh, of our nearly shoot. new world. Classic Mark, but you're villain. Welcome, you're welcome to throw it in if that's yeah. if no it, classic villain trying to just rearrange the way it's mm-hmm, done and right. scramble us and get us confused and then take over. <laughs> Did in the other versions, or is it just this one where um, the Red Skull cures himself of his Red Skull? Is it just this version? I think that is mostly an element of Albert not having any money after the first week of shooting. Sure, sure. <laughs> they just can't afford to uh, keep that makeup on every day. They have to make it simplify it, make it easier. <laughs> now, uh, Mark, had you ever seen this movie before? Definitely not. <laughs> So we're, just to let just just to let Austin know, we we have been putting this whole Marvel month together simply because Mark hates superhero movies. So, <laughs> well, and, unfortunately, uh, this is not a superhero movie. So this one's been kind of a breeze for me. <laughs> <laughs> but and we we talk about movies released by a company that actually own Marvel for a span mm-hmm. of time. So we we had to do that. Uh, now, Erica, you did see this, but with our kids. Correct. But uh, this was my first viewing, but I viewed it with our children. Mm-hmm. So and their first viewing, too, yes. really. Yeah. And uh, they loved it, right? They loved it, um, except for the end. <laughs> they had a lot of questions at the end. As you were, they you were telling me, they had a lot of questions throughout the whole thing. Because there's were... a lot of things, and I'll get to it in a bit, but a lot of things on this version that are different from the typical yes not only for them uh for our kids from the mcu movies the current marvel movies but also from comic book lore it there's there's definitely still a lot of changes i'm surprised that marvel still let a lot of things slide i know they were pretty tough on albert in terms of like casting and certain things they all they wanted certain things to happen and they wouldn't let albert do a few of the things he wanted to do but they were, uh, it certainly isn't Michael Winner's version, but there still was some, some liberties taken. Well, they've seen, to be fair, they've seen, uh, like Disney's Marvel MCU yeah. first. So mm-hmm. that was their first. So <laughs> I think they were like, what is happening mm-hmm. <laughs> in this? Like, why is it so different? But to their credit, like, typically if they're not really into something that we're watching or they lose interest in a movie, they'll like, start to do something else like doodle like our daughter will doodle or like our son will go grab some legos they didn't budge so that's why i say arguably they loved it because they didn't Mm -hmm. they didn't move they didn't leave they didn't turn it off they didn't walk away so i don't know yeah well i would also say they kind of don't walk away from almost anything if we're like sit down we were all gonna watch a movie they're pretty much like okay 
I mean, I'll watch whatever it is because you're giving me a green light to sit in front of the TV for a couple hours. So, mm. you know, but yeah, I hope that they did enjoy it. Um, did your wife like it, Austin? Yeah, she did. She enjoyed it. You're making me wish I watched it with my with my children, though. That's I, I don't know why I didn't think of that. That's because <laughs> I, I would have loved to have seen their reaction too because it was it was pretty hilarious their reaction to certain parts i'll save favorite <laughs> scenes to what i think their favorite scene was but mm-hmm. getting oh, back to the makeup uh <laughs> i was like what do you guys think and they were like he looks worse now <laughs> <laughs> so they're like when he was red skull with a fully actually red skull they mm-hmm. were like yeah, accurate. They were like, they were like accurate. That makes good. sense. And then when he had hair and he was sort of like more flesh colored with just scars, they were like, no, he looks worse. <laughs> By the way, playing um, uh, the Red Skull is uh, Scott Pollan, who was in Forbidden World. He plays oh, the guy right. that's staring at all the video screens. He's the security yep. dude. Oh, shoot. Yep. Yeah, it's the same guy. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, didn't even realize that. Wow. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, also, <laughs> just fun fact, he, Red Skull isn't Italian. <laughs> That's just fun to point out. Um, but he's, let's yeah. go he's ahead. He's only go ahead, Italian in this version, which is funny. That was a yeah. that was a that was an Albert one of Albert's choices. <laughs> yeah. Literally the only one. His name is not uh forget the name in the movie. The Red Skull goes by uh mm, What does he go by? Oh, Tadzio DeSantis. That's that's not the Red Skull's name at all. Uh, <laughs> what is the Red Skull's name? Uh, I have no idea. It is um, uh, Johann Schmidt. Oh, okay. The different, different. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he's German. That's the thing. Yeah. But um, but yeah. Uh, so the but what's another exciting part about what talking about this movie is the fact that Albert Pion is a is a filmmaker that I really love and he is one of the best low budget filmmakers that never made a movie for new world pictures it's unbelievable to me that they never got him into the fold yeah because all he did was like make movies out of like three cents and yeah. it's insane and uh and he worked for full moon he worked for canon he works for 21st century he works for like literally anyone and he never got a good budget at all for anything no, he wanted to make. Nothing that was adequate to the movie he was thought he was shooting. <laughs> and yeah, it's kind of the tragedy, but also like he's mm. so good at trying mm. to uh, what he adds to a movie when they have zero budget. I think there's elements mm. of this movie because I had seen this movie, of course, back in the VHS days. I was a little disappointed. I'm not going to lie in both of the what? Punisher and the uh, Captain America versions at the time. It did not mean I didn't watch them often. <laughs> does not that does I mean it's what I had, you know? Yeah. So I had to just He doesn't tap out when he's disappointed. I'm not if so out. our marriage would have ended years ago. <laughs> Thank God. He's a completist. That's Thank right. God. That's Thankfully right. for me, he's a completist. So he's gonna ride it out, which hold the line. Yeah. That's Oof. my motto. Um, but yeah, like it's one of those things where you watch it and then you like wait and then you rent it again six months later and you're like, it can't be as bad as I remember it. <laughs> and then you watch it. And I think the difference is watching it now as I watched it a couple years ago and then I again watched it for this. 
The difference is now is now you can actually see the movie in scope and it's not pan and scan. That's a huge mm-hmm. difference because I think there's a lot of like mm-hmm. what Pion is really good at is his production design. And he's really good at making things look like they actually had some money when they had no money. I'm talking about mm-hmm. that the very beginning where he actually fights the Red Skull. Mm-hmm. And the Red Skull whoops him, really. I mean, yeah, he kicks his butt. Oh, yeah. That's right up. That's why they're like a strength of 100 men. I was like, would have been a great scene to make that a reality. But that was okay. at one point when, when our son turned and he was like, that's it. Like, <laughs> he was just like, like Red Skull kind of stabs him in the neck with, like, I guess, like a needle that he has in his sleeve. <laughs> And he turned to me and literally he goes, is that it? And I was like, well, it's only been like 10 minutes. So no. Yeah. <laughs> but that whole like, area was like, it. was like, I think they feel, they found the movie in, I think Lithuania. Am I right? Yugoslavia. About that? Yugoslavia. Yeah. Yugoslavia. Yeah. And, um, and they, that was like a factory, I think that they filmed that, that mm. section in. So, but they dressed it up and it yeah. looks really good when it you can good. see the depth mm-hmm. of it and you can see everything behind it. It looks like, you know, big, it looks like a big giant set. It looks like, a, like it was like, mm-hmm. Oh, they got some money. And he, yeah. again, mm-hmm. at the end when they have that castle, it just adds all this like production value that mm-hmm. they actually didn't have at all. A, a game I like to play with his movies is watch them and guess what the budget is. And I know that he never had a budget and I always have a number that's small, but then when you find out what the actual budget is, it's usually even half of what you guessed because he was so resourceful and so great at getting production value when he had, you know, some coins and a paper bag to work with some of these, some of these films. Do, how did you watch this, by the way, Austin? No, I, I watched it on the Blu-ray most okay. recently. The, okay, the I had the Blu-ray as well. From a few years ago. Mark, did no, you watch this on, did you watch this on YouTube? I did. Okay. On YouTube. <clears throat> okay. Awesome. You're uh, you don't own it. This is for when Christmas nope. time or oh, this is one. Okay. Oh, this is one this is, wow. This is one okay. Future wow. birthday gifts. I feel like I think, we you know, know there's plenty of time between now and then. <laughs> just many shopping days ahead. He's so. probably gonna buy it. Just, he's gonna buy oh, it. he's gonna get it. That's what he's saying. He's like, don't right. don't bother because right, right, I'll already right, I'll pick right. it up it's, by it's, then. It's gonna show up any day now. By so, the time the save your money. <laughs> Because I own it too, but it's an out of it's out of print. The Shout Factory Blu-ray is out of print now, but mm-hmm. that's what they talked about the reshoots. And they wanted to shoot a lot more. They had to cut a lot out from the first week. They that's when they cut the budget tremendously. That's when they cut perhaps three million out of the budget. Yeah, and you can watch. I mean, you I think you can see in the films when what they shot when they had their money and what they had because Menachem kept telling them the the loans coming. I, I'll be able to sell the movie. You start shooting it plan for your this four million dollar budget this this more expensive script i'll get you the money and it just at one point it never came and they just ran out they they got to what they had left and they couldn't keep stretching it thinner and thinner at a certain point they had to rip out pages from scripts and that was a common occurrence for canon in 21st century any anything where the go-go boys were involved (laughs) i i read an interview with albert peon and he was talking about how they literally had days where they would run out of film and they had no money to buy more film. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Holy. That is a, that's, so do you yeah. just, do you cover for that? Or you just say like, Hey guys, I guess we're going to wrap today a little early or do you, like, or do you say I got a doctor's appointment, so we have to wrap her. Like you don't want right. to, you don't want to play right. your hand on that. Right. You're yeah. just listen. Yeah. I got to um, go see this Yugoslavian dentist. Yeah. So we're going to wrap <laughs> today. 
<laughs> if we don't get the shot this time, I have a chiropractor appointment that I got to go to. So <laughs> let's see if we can get it right this time, huh? Uh, I also read. I also read a story uh, about Albert Pyun being because he he was such a master, as we're saying, of of making movies on nothing mm-hmm. that uh, Canon would get like a big budget of money by which they were supposed to make. 40 or 50 movies for the video market. And then they spent most of that money. I, I think famously they spent too much on S- Superman four. And mm-hmm. then they didn't have any money left to make a lot of these movies that they were supposed to now pay for. And so they right. would just be like, Albert, go make a movie for $0 now. Cause we need, we need movies to turn in uh, yeah. the money that we already spent. Canon, especially in the at their peak in 85, 86, 87, whenever they needed money, they the be- quickest way for them to get it is to just make it make more movies, make more cheap movies they can sell. But uh, again, that yeah, like you mentioned, Superman four is one of the big examples over the top. A lot of these gigantic large budget films you they weren't as instantly profitable if you if you made a movie for under five million dollars and knew you could sell it for 10 million you could do that in perpetuity that's that that that's that train is never going to end but when you start mixing in movies that are you know 24 million dollars 17 million dollars things like that it's you need to you need to count on them because you know your 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 promissory uh contracts from you know, the Italian video sales or, you know, South African, like theatrical sales, these little like $200,000 checks that add up to your budgets over time aren't going to add up to that budget. And right. Yeah. That's (laughs) it's, I have a question though. Superman four, wasn't that, I mean, wasn't that supposed to be a big budget and they kept cutting the budget and cutting the budget. And that's what really became, that's why it became the disaster that it is because it wasn't the the huge budget that they had promised. I, I remember, mm-hmm. I think it was the the documentary on mm-hmm. Canon films. Like Christopher Reeve was super disappointed in it because he was, he was promised this was going to be the one that had a really big budget and then it was taken away from him. Or maybe I'm mm-hmm. mixing that with another one. No, that's, that's a great example. That happened on several, several Canon productions, several of the big ones, but can uh, Superman's four's budget was essentially cut in half. And by the time it got to where to shoot it, but you you look at when Canon originally was starting out on the project, they had the effects team from the earlier Superman films, and that was when they trimmed the budget. They had to let those guys go, and you get mm. these reused, very bad green screenshots <laughs> that we that we mm-hmm. see in the film. But for had had that movie happened maybe a year earlier when Canon had a better line of credit and more more money, that it it, it might have looked like one of the earlier Superman films, but coming out at a time that they did and they had a lot of blockbusters that weren't, that weren't cashing out well. And they had spent, you know, almost $300 million that they had earmarked from banks for making movies on buying Elstree studios and thorny MI and all these, this real estate <laughs> stuff that they didn't need because Canon spent, millions of dollars buying the studio where they shot Raiders of the Lost Ark and Empire Strikes Back. And what does, what does a company that that's their most profitable movies are Chuck Norris and Ninja movies shot in the Philippines. <laughs> what, <Yeah. laughs> what do they need the studio that where you could shoot Empire Strikes Back? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of uh, like when new world buys Marvel, did they need Marvel? 
They mm-hmm. what they eke out of Marvel is not much, though they were they were looking towards the '90s when they were just inevitably just make TV, mm-hmm. and so they made TV shows and they made some like TV movies and some un, some pilots that we'll talk about later this month that, that didn't go forward, but they didn't really do a whole lot with the Marvel property, and it seems to be like another one of those things. They're probably going through the same thing with a new ownership group that bought it from Corman around the same time as Canon, where they're just spending money and they're not coming up with hits. It's the same mm-hmm. thing. It, it, it must be why they never got Albert Pion because he, they had, they were flush with money, at least at that time. It just, it, it runs out really quickly when you don't have any hits. And that's mm-hmm. why Albert didn't go over to New World Pictures because New World Pictures was flush with money at the same time and had the same result happen. Uh, mm-hmm. where they didn't have a lot of hits. The biggest, probably one of their biggest hits was Soul Man and Hellraiser. So, you know, mm-hmm. which are a couple odd big hits, but those were like some of their biggest, most profit- profitable movies in Godzilla 1985. Mm-hmm. So, which we've already talked about. Hellraiser, <clears throat> wasn't that just dumb luck? Didn't, wasn't that a Christmas release? Both of them were, <laughs> I believe. <laughs> if I'm remembering correctly. Happy holidays like yeah. Hellraiser. Right. We haven't, we've only talked about the first, no, so the first Hellraiser was September. The second one was December. Was December. And we haven't right. talked about, we've only done the first movie. We have not talked about the second, but I'm guarantee when we get to it, it'll be at the holidays because that was, it was New <laughs> That's World's the way Christmas it was meant movie. To be. That's the way they wanted it. <laughs> it should be. I mean, you watch the movie, it tracks. This is definitely a Christmas movie. <laughs> um, and so, uh, so yes, we're going to talk about Albert Pion, and I and I do and love the amount of stuff he tried to do in this. But what's interesting is I found out there was too late in the game because I wasn't able to watch it. But there is a director's cut, which yeah. you can't find on YouTube. Have you seen it, Austin? I have not seen the director's <clears throat> cut. I I'm really <laughs> sad that I haven't yet because yeah. it was it, it was something that I know Albert was selling himself through his website for a long mm-hmm. time. And mm-hmm. God, kids, I, there's a director's cut. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they'll run yeah, in yeah. with excitement any minute now. Drop what you're doing. Uh, and, so, but what's interesting about it is that I it's on YouTube, and I haven't been able to watch it. But I watched a scene or two, and I was because there's a big section where Steve basically there's like 11 minutes section of stuff. One of one scene of which is the fact that you find out how they know that Sharon is in California. So why they end up in California? Because they're tapping. Um, they're, they're tapping the phone. They're tapping that baby's phone, right? So they're, yeah. that's how they're finding out. And you go out there and then he is out there. He goes out there and like peeps on Sharon while she's at Gold's gym. Wow. <laughs> and then there's a very long scene where he goes and talks to Michael Nuri, who played uh, Lieutenant Lewis yep. in the very beginning of the film. But he's now in that old age makeup. And they yeah. have a long discussion about soldiers and what is mm. the value of it. And it's very long. But that's the that's the version, apparently, that Albert was like, you, the director's cut is something. And clearly, this was still more stuff. Because I was thinking, when you have the budget cut and you can't do the action scenes, you got to double down and just get better story. Yeah, And that's exactly what he did. The problem was it was just story. It was just scenes of people chit-chatting. <laughs> it wasn't like <laughs> yeah. they... <laughs> made it more interesting even though just dialogue scenes Mm -hmm. they didn't try to like they were just trying to he was trying to make a point about what it means to be a soldier and steve's coming back and he'd been the super soldier or just a really good soldier or a soldier that previously had had polio but now doesn't 
And <laughs> and is super into parkour. So yeah. that, I mean, who and and evidently frisbee golf because he can fling a frisbee. Correct. Like nobody's yeah. business. Again, he's ahead of the game on parkour and ahead of the game on frisbee golf. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you ask me this. Was Steve Rogers always from California? No. Because they were very surprised no. to learn that no. in this one. I think that has to do with, I don't know what you guys think. I, I would assume that has to do with the fact that they had to shoot it in LA. So they just decided mm-hmm. to make him from California. Okay. Because okay. they couldn't afford to shoot in New York. Okay. Right. Because that's what they were questioning me. Like, mommy, he's not com- he's not from California, right? And I had that moment where like, I know that the Steve Rogers I'm familiar with is not, but I panicked and was like, I, I don't know. And they were like, he's not. He's not. He's from New York. And I was like, I- is he? Yeah. I had a, I, I froze. Well, they all think like, of the scene in Civil in the and, <laughs> They will think of the scene in Civil War when he meets Spider-Man and Spider-Man's from Queens and he's yeah. from Brooklyn. So that's what they're going to think and of. And in my mm-hmm. mind somewhere that's swimming around. I know this to be, mm-hmm. to be correct, but when pressed by two children, I crumbled. I, I don't know. There's a moral of the story there somewhere. <laughs> Basically when Mark starts his supervillain reign, I'm an easy target. So just push me in threat. Just push me in front of you guys. There's there's several <laughs> things though about Steve Rogers that are not, that's not typical such as he also, he smokes. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was surprising. Mm-hmm. Didn't know that. that. Surprising. Didn't know mm-hmm. that. And he's also, is he the older brother of Randy and Ralphie Parker from A Christmas <laughs> Story? Right, because we have the be... Christmas Story parents in, in, yes. in this film. One of which is playing Steve Rogers' mom. Yeah. Right, so she got, was she divorced? I'm not sure what happened there. They must have split off I, when his split up when his military career took off. Yeah, right. That yeah, was it. That behind. was it. Right. Yeah. They behind. split up because because <laughs> later on he uh, he he becomes Billy Madison's dad. Right. So he <laughs> he starts Madison Industries. <laughs> so Billy is yeah. the youngest yeah. of the kids. He's the youngest of the clan. Yeah. Billy, eat your soup. It's good soup. Well, gentlemen, I can't thank you enough for coming out here this evening. Uh, please, Billy, please, no gibberish tonight, please, I beg you. Sorry, Daddy. He has, has, a, he has to change a name or so, just because he, he was obviously up to nefarious things. So he had to change his name once this all ended. Uh, this I, all I like this idea nicely. of a, a shared uh, Darren McGavin universe. <laughs> DMU. <laughs> <laughs> it's all there it's obvious it's easy to tie it all together yeah you know you just have to think about it and it all makes sense uh-huh uh-huh yeah, the cast really in this does. is actually was pr- is pretty great yeah darren mcgavin um ned Beatty. i love ned Beatty. ronnie cox is it's the, the deliverance of... radiant too yeah <laughs> <laughs> all threads all yeah. threads it is <laughs> Yeah, it, it actually is weird. It's a cast that uh, Michael Winner would have been really proud of, I feel like. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Winner was totally. convinced that uh, Marlon Brando was going to play the Red Skull, though. That's... <laughs> oh. Oh, interesting. Oh, no, wow. Yeah, he, he went... Huh. All of his interviews he would talk about, he's like, I haven't talked to Marlon about it yet, but we're good friends, and he's going to play the Red Skull. That was... That 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 was Michael Winner's insistence up and down, and Elton wow. John played the other villain, which is just 
Elton oh, John? Elton John. Wow. He was going to play Ricky Roulette's the... Uh, the uh, I don't know if Elton John ever agreed to it or if no it's just something way. Michael Winner said because Michael Winner is <laughs> very Frank Dukes like and his uh, attitude about the truth I- idea what the truth is but yeah Elton John was who he had in mind for the other villain so you had Marlon no Brando and Elton way. John as the two two main oh villains in the Michael Winner used to view Elton John as a villain I refuse <laughs> no way that is amazing I'm kind of upset we didn't get this version because this would have been that's wild i mean it would have been a train wreck but it would have been amazing to see, <laughs> you know i mean it would have been awesome um mm. another thing uh his girlfriend bernie yeah bernie that's not the name of his girlfriend our daughter this took issue one. with that yeah she they had, she I had bet. a big uh fact check issue with that one yeah which which they just for the record directed all their anger at this movie towards me i was like i didn't have anything <laughs> to do with this i'm viewing this as a fan for pure enjoyment purposes they're like why is her name bernie not peggy i was like i don't know not only that she's her name is not carter so peggy carter is is a girlfriend uh obviously more in the mcu and then eventually sharon carter so we do get sharon we get a sharon but not mm-hmm. carter because their last name is Stewart. So why that change, I don't know, but okay. Um, Mark, go ahead. I mean, what this movie also teaches you is that if you eat right, you take care of your body, get in some good workouts, moisturize, that you can potentially hook up with the daughter of your high school sweetheart. <laughs> well, I Just mean, saying, I think you have to, the frozen and ice part, I think you're leaving right. out. But yeah, yeah, I mean. Play your cards right. Mm-hmm. It could happen. You are leaving out a giant part of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, not uh, none of us are going to be able to be frozen in a block of ice. Well, I'm not just with saying, that attitude. But if you still, <laughs> man, you've given up before you even started. I mean, I'm just saying, if you take care of yourself, you could you could work it out. You could make you could make that work. Come up with so, a super secret serum, mm-hmm. inject yourself with it, and then put yourself in the freezer for about seventy or eighty years. Yeah. Mark, come on, right. it's easy, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> you'll be cured of polio. You'll be into parkour and frisbee uh-huh. golf and hook up with your high school mm-hmm. sweetheart's daughter. And you'll look good in very bright primary colors. <laughs> you'll still, you'll still look good. <laughs> you look good with yes. fake ears. That's yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh my god, the fake yeah. ears! I didn't oh. learn that until after I was duped. I thought they were real ears. <laughs> yeah. That is- also. Once that's you know that, be, though, yeah. you cannot, yeah. you can't take your eyes off those fake ears. It's true. Once and that's going to be it. the only reason you don't see him take the mask on and off like more than mm-hmm. once in the movie. Because <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. I think that, that would have scared people if the ears yes. came, if he just ripped his own ears off. <laughs> why the mask at all? Hmm. He'd fire he fire It's not like, like he's hiding. So then he's bulletproof on the nose and the forehead? I don't think it is. I don't think this. I thought they said it was bulletproof. It's no. fireproof. Oh, fireproof. Oh, oh, well, okay. Tomato, tomato, guys. <laughs> Not that he ever catches fire. Your follow-up question is going to be: Don't bullets set fires? <laughs> set off fires? <laughs> I thought they that called them firearms. <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing they do get right is I do believe that Captain America would be friends with the president. Oh yeah, yeah, that was cute. And my certainly. favorite scene—I don't know if it's a scene more than a moment, 
is when the Red Skull shoots at Captain America and he's been thrown a shield and he roll he barrel rolls over to, you know, behind some cover. Mm-hmm. And then he goes, Thanks, Mr. President, or whatever. <laughs> and like they're like, Yeah. <laughs> that that moment was like that is that's just that's just wonderful. I don't know. I I, I could not help but but smile watching that. But would you agree that who's who's the daughter that he's tra- that he's tra- Sharon. traveling with Sharon? Mm-hmm. She is better at this than he is, right? <laughs> <laughs> like you mean at acting? <laughs> I'm saying at finding the bad guys, getting oh, away from the bad guys, 100 percent fooling the bad. Like she's far better at. She knows at Italian. She yeah. knows Italian. She yeah. can find people that are otherwise, you know, like she can find where they're hiding. Mm-hmm. Like she's actually the hero of this movie, right? Well, she's kept, he is catching up with like decades of like not knowing what the heck is going on. Steve Rogers was also raised in a household where he wasn't allowed to really interact with a lot of people in the public and they had to keep everything about the family secret. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of Matt Salinger's family because his dad is J.D. Salinger. I'm sorry. I'm getting them confused. His dad is J.D. Salinger? Yes. His dad is the catcher and the rye author. Yeah. Yep. The guy who played Captain America in 1990. His dad uh, is a famous reclusive author. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, If you ever wondered what Captain America's up to now, he's he's managing a literary estate. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Which they say they're going to release a lot of his stuff that he's he was still writing apparently while he was being a recluse, and so they're going to release it eventually. I don't know when, but eventually, wow. yeah. And this is really huh. like his first big role. He was in Revenge <clears throat> of the Nerds, in a small role, I think. But he was in it. He was. I mean, yeah. Nothing says JD Salinger like Revenge of the Nerds, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. I never. I didn't even think of that. Hmm. Well, I was too busy being pummeled with questions from children. <laughs> I also don't think Captain America in the comic books. And Austin, I don't know if you've read a lot of the comic books, so 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 uh, let me know what what you think. But I don't think he ever pulled the like, oh, I'm sick, pull over, and then I'm gonna steal the car when your back's turned trick. I don't think that's something that Captain America ever did. <laughs> no, not that I'm aware of. I, I was a Spider-Man reader a lot. Me too. That was me, me too. Yeah, that was my main Marvel character. Yeah. That's what I think charmed me. So many things charmed me about this. I loved that that was his his shtick was to be like, oh, I'm going to get car sick and then steal the car mm-hmm. because it was so Especially silly. Especially the second time because he's like, I can't put you in danger. Uh, I did bring you to Italy, yeah. but I can't put yes. you in further harm. Like, now I'm going to leave you here alone. I, I, <laughs> I did bring you to a foreign country, but now I have to abandon you. So, which again, he doesn't know that she can actually speak Italian. So she is still way better off in Italy than he is. I love that because that actually, those moments to me though, felt very like Steve Rogers pure. And like, of course he couldn't just be like, Hey, I'm super strong. Give me the, give me the car and just like knock him out or whatever. He, he had to still like trick him because he knows that like, 
Grand Grand Theft Auto is not okay. So he's still trying to like Ooh, just tiptoe around yeah, it. So- that was super cool in the forties. Right. That was a total. <laughs> that was fine. That was not considered illegal. But I kind of liked all. that. I don't know. There was a lot about this movie when it first started. Hilariously, also when it first starts in the Blu-ray, the kids and I thought it was not in English, and we spent some time troubleshooting at the top and wondering <laughs> if we needed to watch it in close in close caption. Really, it's just the first two or three minutes are in both Ita- a little bit you, Italian, a little you, German, but it's absolutely in English. You get a, you get one or two lines that are yeah. subtitled. The, the, kept, what they think you need to know. The rest, <laughs> they didn't have the money to, to actually translate all those it. lines. We they didn't have pausing the budget. It and going back. I was like, just finish it. Just go five minutes in and you'll see. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's a general kid thing, but like our kids have zero patience if some left turn comes up they're like what's this what's yeah. happening what's going on and it's like were. watch the movie yeah and they were will, believe me it'll explain it they're yeah. movies they're not trying to trick you they were furious mm-hmm. with me i restarted it three times because they were like you didn't play it in english you're playing it in a different language and i was like okay well let me just take a look let me troubleshoot they're like there's no subtitles we can't even read it and i was like okay yeah. calm down they were so mad they came into this movie hot flaming hot <laughs> They thought we were tricking them mm-hmm. with Captain I was like, the only trick is that your mom is incompetent when it comes to this guy. You weren't. You did it was fine. There was nothing to do. That's on them. Uh you didn't have any of those the- issues. Mark, did you have any of these issues? Well, no. Uh, also, he stole the car because he doesn't have any superpowers. The only thing he has is to trick people out of their car. That's the only thing that guy can do. He can look um, car sick pretty uh convincingly. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, he can fake car sickness, which <laughs> how he would know. I mean, you're going to give him the credit that he just came back after how many years, 30 years, but he knows how to fake car sickness. Anyway, that doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense either. Although, unless he was legit car sick, which could possibly happen because you haven't ridden in modern cars. Now, yeah. well, I um, think I thought something that was really clever when in, in that moment when he steals Ned Beatty's car is he thinks he's a Nazi because he sees the Volkswagen mm-hmm. logo that that that's something Again, I like seeing it as an adult would never occur to me. I was like, oh, wow, this is actually kind of a I thought he was just being a dick when when I was a kid. That's right. right. Why is he so mean to Med Beatty? Like, plus he had a made in Japan tape recorder. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So he was like, what is going on? Yeah. The powers are at work right now. Mm -hmm. I've got to get out of here. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I'll trick this dumb Nazi out of his car. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and i did have a second where i was like how is he able to drive and i'm like i mean he could drive back in the 40s right i had to have this moment I'm like that wait a minute also there how hilarious it would then. it be yeah, if he exactly. steals the car and then immediately crashes it <laughs> <laughs> so that's another power that he has mark he can drive yeah. He can trick people out of their cars. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. The, you know? Both powers that, that the four of us could also have. I don't know. I could barely convince children that I knew what was happening in the movie. So I don't know if I could trick anybody. <laughs> so, also, so, towards the end of the movie, he has his shield in like a shield satchel? Like a... Yeah. Like a Shield knapsack? Did was that special made for oh, the shield? You just keep your shield out. Yeah. How do you Mark. carry your shield around, Mark? Jesus. <laughs> of course he does. You just walk around with naked shield. Weird, dude. Yeah. Weird. Is that because it was he had to check his shield when they took the flight to Italy? Was that right? Right. Yeah. You don't right. want to get all scuffed up when it's. I think it's security. Fair. 
I, I think it was super nice of the Red Skull to strap his shield to him when he launched him on the rocket at the yeah, start of the movie. Yeah, was wasn't yeah. it? It was thoughtful. What if he crashed in ice? He he needed that shield back. Yeah, and it just cut off his own hand and not Captain America's hand. You know, he was like, <laughs> you know what? I need to separate us, but I'm going to cut off my own hand. Well, he had to cut off his yeah. own hand because Captain America was holding on to him. So he's like, you're going to be in this rocket oh. with me. Which again, would have made strength, sense. Mark. Would have made sense with grip the comics. strength, see? I don't have that. Mm-hmm. But he still could have cut off Captain America's hand. He would have just then been holding his hand. Yeah. But he's not that he's you know what? He's he's not as villainous as you think. <laughs> he's still that he's... little sweet Italian boy playing piano with his mother. <laughs> Do you think one of his 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 cohorts was like couldn't you cut off his hand? And well, he had a moment where he went, all of his cohorts went, were like, afterwards, Red Skull's like, like I'm, so, I'm so stupid. Why didn't yeah. I just cut? Like, why did I do that? Yeah. As he keeps like, like staring at his stump, he's like, ah, here, just a constant reminder of my yeah. dumbest mistake. Yeah. 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 I was like, I don't oh. want to cut off his hand. I'll cut off mine because that's what a good Italian boy does. Oh, that's right. Dum, 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 dum. My piano career. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, Austin, did you have a favorite moment uh, watching it again after all these years? Oh, wow. Well, I mean, we've named a lot of them. The, the thanks, Mr. President, is a, a fantastic one. Mr. President. Thanks. I I, I, I love the just the, the shot, the when he he kicks the missile enough that it suddenly like veers like three feet above yes. the white house yes. just at the right time. Yes. That's such mm-hmm. a wonderful moment. I love that. The and president. Who, how has is been, the president yeah. just outside taking photos? <laughs> like, no, <laughs> the, just, the I'm just going to go down to the white house. I'll be back. Yeah. <laughs> what? What is happening? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, my parenting style is probably much very different from the 1940s parenting sure, style, sure. but I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't let my my young son just wander off to take pictures of the White House in the middle of the night without me. That's, yeah, you know. yeah. I mean, if he's like maybe he was one of twelve, and they're just like, I look if they get out. <laughs> yeah, I like the cats. They'll come back. We can't really, we can't, <laughs> we, can't we can't watch them twenty four hours a day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love too that he just became he just took this picture and when you see the picture mm-hmm. and he talks to Ned Beatty and you see the picture I did not pause it but I looked it, it looks like nothing it looks like a oh. black dark mm-hmm. gobbledygook I was like this is the picture like look I took a picture of him I'm like I don't know how you can make heads and tails of that photo it makes yeah. it just looks like nothing yeah it's just a black mess it looks like one of the do you remember the Game Boy camera that they had yeah. back in the day. It looks oh, like yes. something taken on that. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 Highly yeah, pixelated, so. mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that scene too. And I I love that they continued the friendship <laughs> of the president and the reporter, Ned Beatty. And, mm-hmm. and um, Captain America, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, can't, I don't know. I just was really charmed by that. Probably just mostly because it's Ned Beatty. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But I was like, oh, look at them Didn't staying friends. Not realize you're such a Ned Beatty fan. I don't know. Can I say I've got a type? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> listeners, I'm not trying to go in, go egotistical here, but I don't look like Ned Beatty. I just no, want that just 
for the record. Circular glasses and I, lose metal? some more hair. I don't know. I don't <laughs> know. Got to lose some more hair for sure. <laughs> to gain some pounds, I think. But um, this is not the very first movie released by 21st Century Film Corporation. Is that another? Is that like volume five of your books, Austin? That you're going to go into what they did. I am going when I finish these canon books, I'm going to take at least a break and write something that doesn't mention Menachem like a hundred times throughout it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the 20, 21st century is I mean, I, I, I'm obviously I'm fascinated by everything Menachem's ever touched. And I, like, I love so many of those movies and it's harder to find information about because they weren't as big on the yeah. press like the publicity they monocum mm-hmm. didn't have that sort of hype machine that they had at canon with canon you can find you know they had a great great uh pr people working for them getting every newspaper to come like visit the sets and magazines and the press kits and things like that 21st century press kits are incredibly scarce because most of these movies didn't have distributors they went to video and <laughs> they mm. didn't Mm. They 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 weren't they weren't putting all that information in there. So someday, yeah, someday I'd lo- I'd love to write a 21st century book. But when I finish this third canon book, I will take a break and <laughs> write something else in between. That's something short and sweet. That's not about uh, Menachem Galan or anything, any of his business ventures. Well, that... then you have to work on the script with us about the boy who was plucked from obscurity and <laughs> and was forced by Michael Winter to yeah. write a Captain America script. Mm-hmm. Captain... I, I wish we're gonna call it Captain Winter trademark. So you know, right? I mean, they can make ready. a movie about uh, Michael Jordan's shoe. I yeah. think this is an e- this is easily a movie we can make. Yeah. This is a movie. This is not write a bad itself. idea. Right. I, I wish I could find out that kid's name, but he was only ever referred to as the geek by in any oh. of the information like that. I think that's probably what Michael Winter ref, like addressed him as <laughs> at wow. the time. OK, so. well, just kidding. So, the movie is titled The Geek. The Geek. Trademark. That's, yeah. that's the that's the title. <laughs> they put out some interesting stuff, though. The same year they they worked on Night of the Living Dead remake. Yeah. So, Even though it's not released by them, as you said, they is released by Columbia Pictures, but mm. But that's and, that's pretty good. Yeah, and a lot of um I think at least from Menachem's standpoint when they were trying to wrap up Captain America, I think his his attention was diverted to uh Forbidden Dance. He was uh, he he had Lombada mania when when uh Captain America was crossing the finish line and stumbling over it. So he was fully focused on <laughs> on the Great Lombada Wars of 19 uh, of, that would be the Great Lombada Wars in 1980 it started in 89. Lombada and the Forbidden Dance you're talking about yes yes the Forbidden Dance would have been um, Menachem's the 21st century uh, fighter in that battle so they were going they were fighting each other then you're saying yeah so Menachem how did this divorce happen like what that's something I'm not I'm not aware of that's a lot of what will be covered in the third volume there's there's a lot of reasoning that went into it but I think in in my my heart is heart of hearts. And what I'm as, as I'm reading that, like writing this and working on this, this last book, it's I, I, I kind of feel like uh, going through like a watching my parents get divorced or something like that, because it is really sad. These Golden Globus cousins who really built this empire canon together that fell apart very quickly and mm. kind of got taken over by the mafia, essentially uh, mm. <laughs> a gangster came in and and 
what some of their ideas like they weren't i don't think the new canon regime was as interested in making movies as they were owning movie companies but one of the things was they wanted to cut back the, the slate and menachem was always somebody who if he said yes if he said to go on a movie he could get you know these catalogs would have 60 70 movies in them at a time sometimes that he would be greenlighting stuff left and right and really going with his gut and the new owners said no we want you to dial this back just make a couple movies make two or three movies like just do something until we get everything back together and and i think the biggest thing is menachem felt kind of his younger cousin this person who had brought into this the movie industry and helped him build this up suddenly saying no to him and hearing no and i think Mm -hmm. that was the biggest thing a kind of a you this is not like this you're you're siding with this person over your family and me and so menachem went he left and he got 21st century that was part of his parting gift it was another company that this giancarlo peretti had come in and bought with all these film companies he was acquiring at the time and so it was this tiny one that was largely what canon was when golden globus acquired it 10 years earlier and he also got the rights to some of the projects he was working on a few canon projects he had at the time became 21st century pictures um what always what what movies besides captain america well he he did a a mac the knife the um Mm -hmm. gosh his his musical that he worked that that was one of the ones that was originally um there was a robert england movie that he had brought with him that were was already sort of the wheels but captain america was the was the phantom the of the opera thing. one yes yes that was that was originally mm-hmm. going to be he was working on that with canon and it went to follow him to 21st and but yeah Cap- captain america was a case of albert talked to him like i think he sat to sat down sat down with him when when the this divorce was happening and albert kind of begged him to take that with him and so that's one of the ones he negotiated for mm. and he got it. And I mean, the same with Spider-Man. Of course, Spider-Man didn't get made, but he took it. He took it with him to 21st. Took and it's, Death it's, Wish as well, right? Didn't he? Because he yes, made Death, yeah, the Death Wish. The Death Wish, made Death Wish 5. Mm-hmm. And it's the best, uh, the most Canadian of all the Death Wishes, <laughs> I always say. <laughs> the only the only Death Wish that has a remote control soccer ball bomb in it. That's right. Uh, you and I are on the same page because uh, you and I both really like Death Wish 4. Mm, yeah. Oh, death, if, if I were to grab any Death Wish out of out of my video drawers over here to throw on any time, that's always my first choice. That's Yeah. Yeah. I know a lot of people love 3, but I think 4 is so fun. Mm-hmm. It's so ridiculous. It's the only one where he blows up a guy with a rocket launcher. It's the only one. <laughs> oh, the only one. <laughs> I wish I could cut together. I, I, I'm sure I could if I had slightly more editing skills, but a super cut of all of the guys in canon movies getting blown up with rocket launchers. Cause that's yeah. like, that's a signature canon finishing it's, move. From like yes, movie for to sure. Movie to movie. Like they're the death. It's a great move. Them. It's a great move. It's, you know, you can't beat it. Mm-hmm. The De- Death Wish 4 is another one where I've read multiple scripts and I have a better insight to like the actual script developments and that one than, uh, than a lot of the canon movies. And it's fascinating because John P. Ryan has such different deaths in every one of them and they're all spectacular. And I think it was a case of 
it'll take us a day to film all these. Like, let's just blow them up with a rocket launcher so we can <laughs> get it done faster. And I think, and, and, like, Cannon's approving it and Charles Bronson being like, well, I can get to go home a day early. Sure, let's, let's, let's just blow them up. <laughs> you always wanted to get done by before dinner time. So I think I think that was just a, a Canon way of like, oh, let's cut the movie. Let's rip off the last couple pages and just have the villain get shot with a rocket launcher. <laughs> yeah no totally yeah. do you did you have any insight or did you know anything about why it took so long for this even to get released because it it spends two they shoot it and then it takes two years or so before it even gets released on video i don't know the exact reason i have a guess that just columbia didn't columbia tristar who had the video rights just didn't they probably i, I think they knew it was a dud um mm. They actually so 21st century and back when it had plans for a theatrical release, they had the posters and they're all over eBay. If you want yourself a Captain America theatrical poster, it's I think it says come coming summer 1990. And they had those and they printed those fast enough so they can get them into movie theaters when the Tim first Tim Burton Batman was out. Right. So no. when you would have walked into Batman in 1989, there was a good chance, depending on what theater you were in, where you were that you would have seen the Captain America shield in the 21st century and been, been excited about it and then not heard of the movie again for two years. <laughs> wow. wow. So, okay. Well, let's, let's, let's wrap up and talk about the ending. Cause I know our kids had a very violent reaction to this ending <laughs> because <laughs> it doesn't build up to this moment, but it is about, suddenly there's been a bomb is the bomb planted <laughs> i was confused i was watching it again the ending this morning just to be just to double check he's gonna blow up lots of people correct with this like millions of people he mm -hmm. talks about right i'm like mm -hmm. how all of where southern is this, europe mm -hmm. where is this bomb where is it planted this bomb i mean it's a lot of people to where all of a sudden he has a giant he has a detonator which he keeps near his piano because mm -hmm. that's where else would you put right. it? And right. and and he's going to blow up the entirety of Europe. It feels like somehow, but he doesn't. Yeah, and I will tell you that there were two children who were furious about what happened <laughs> to that detonator. They were like, "Where's the detonator?" So it just didn't go off. What happened to it? So he didn't push it. It didn't hit a rock on the way down. It didn't just go off. Yeah. Like they had so many questions about the detonator. They were uh, they were quite some, quite some seagull is gonna land on that thing. Yeah. And, yeah. They were like yeah. how does it not fall out of his hand as he's falling off the cliff and yeah. have it not fall down face down and just go off? Yeah. Right? I mean I don't also, know. why does it have to be a multi-stage detonator? Can't you just push a button? <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I don't get what the planning is here. Yeah, have a detonator ridiculous. with a countdown. Yeah, it's got, got a, a countdown, and this mm -hmm. thing has to. It's it's like you have to solve the Hellraiser cube before this <laughs> mm -hmm. thing will go off. Mm -hmm. I don't understand why and how the fuck did they get that grand piano up on that on that wall? That's half First the of budget all, there, I think, right there. Yeah. That's where he spent most of the <laughs> yeah. money that he had. Yeah. Because you got to get that, that piano That has got to be out of tune. It's oh. got to be out of tune. Yeah. The, the salt air is going to just murder that piano. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> Terrible. I, he it, should know but, that, but he only has to play it with one hand, so he's not really, like, he just, it's more about, like, where he plays at this point. Every time he sits down, he's reminded of his own bad choices. Yeah. But... 
why also the movie doesn't lead up to him like we are introduced to a bomb that he has that's going to blow up all of southern europe in the last five minutes of the movie this was we never this never mentioned before that moment never was that part of the director's cut that the bomb was a big part of here's what i have of albert peon talking about the director's cut here's what he says it's mainly scenes that deal with Steve Rogers' confusion about his place in the modern world and whether the concept of America, right or wrong, was proper in the world today. Scenes that show his idea of heroism is sort of outdated. He struggles with the idea that he's just a symbol with no real weight. He understands that the oh, that's idea... True. That's totally true. That's 100% true. That's your feeling about superheroes, Mark. <laughs> he's not a superhero. He's barely a hero. Yeah, you. he kicked polio to the curb. <laughs> <laughs> and he, didn't drink, he didn't drink any of that Molson ice when he was going in the back of that truck from California nope. back to nope. LA. Right. That's right. When you go well, from but, Alaska but back down I, to California, you got to get on a oh, truck with Alaska. Molson ice. Yeah. No, but didn't he yeah, cross I, into Canada? I don't know. Who cares? He left That's the Molson That's why the Molson nice was touch. in there. Yeah, yeah, but no one would drink that Molson light. <laughs> uh, he under, better understands the values that make one American, and it's not defeating supervillains or ridiculous evil plots. I have to take umbrage with that last part, because whether or not in his director's cut that is true, he's. I guarantee the ending's still the same. So he still <laughs> does... He is defeating supervillains and, mm-hmm. and their ridiculous evil plots. So... Don't know if he does that per se, but I do think that's what the version apparently that Albert Pion wanted was more of him really sort of trying to deal with the fact that what kind of what is a hero? What does it mean? Does it mean the same thing as I as it did when I was in the 1940s? I don't know if the director's cut will actually solve any of that, but that's, I think, what he really liked. And he he stands by that version. He he actually said in the Blu-ray interview that he has actually hasn't seen which would, was done a few years ago because it's an out-of-print um, disc, but that he hadn't actually seen uh, the 1990 version. He hadn't seen the movie in a, in a very long time because he's only about the director's cut. Mm-hmm. And the director's okay. cut of a lot of his movies, apparently, are still pretty... are better. Apparently, I haven't seen the director's cut of Cyborg either. Have you seen that, Austin? No, I haven't yet. Because I'm interested. I'm curious. Because that movie's a lot of fun, but I'm curious what else he had in mind called slinger mm-hmm. is what he had originally had that called hmm. um mark your thoughts to close out what did you think of captain america now that we've forced you into watching this movie maybe the only captain america movie you've ever seen yeah absolutely never seen any of the others i know they exist i think there's a couple of them in my house because i have i have kids and so i know that they i, I know that there's at least one i've never watched it um uh, it's again, this is not a superhero movie, so it was a pretty easy watch. It was just about a guy who, you know, uh, accidentally froze and now was trying to fight a bad guy who the bad guy you could say is a super villain. So you could say this is a super villain movie. Um, I, I mean, I'm not sure what his superpower is outside of the fact that his face is fucked up. I don't know what other <laughs> power he has. Uh, he, he's obviously fell into quite a bit of wealth, uh, but that doesn't necessarily make you super or a hero. So um, this is just kind of a fish out of water. Say that to, say fun, that to Batman. 
it's a fun Certainly little re- Batman out. <laughs> yeah. Having all that He's, money didn't mm-hmm. hurt him. Don't think he could be Batman without it, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. No, well, yeah, probably I, I suppose. Um yeah, I don't I don't this is just a fun little fish out of water romp. <laughs> <laughs> Should have put that on the box. Austin, how was it revisiting Captain America? How what you what did you think? I had a great time. I it, it had been a long time since I had I had seen it, and it was again it, it again that that and the Dolph Punisher were my those those were my my superhero movies is a, 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 a once upon a time. So it it's it, it was fun, and it was fun watching with my with my wife because her only association with these characters she didn't read the comic books or she didn't have that familiarity growing up, but she knows of course the the current movies so it's it's fun watching her kind of pick it together and like what what is this character like what now where is this person from winter soldier or something like that she she's got a very different perspective on it we we had a good time i was and like i said watching it now i I I was impressed by it. <laughs> I, I'll admit because I've spent a lot of time going through the many canon uh, incarnations, which are train wrecks <laughs> compared to <laughs> compared to this. This, uh, this is this is a masterpiece compared to <laughs> what what would have happened had they. Well, maybe if they brought Brando and Elton John and yeah, that certainly Michael Winner's version, they, they could have made it work. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, where do you think it, this? How do you, how does this rank for you with all the Albert Pyun movies that you've seen, especially because of uh, for canon? Um, it's I I mean I would say probably like in the B tier. It's mm. and I, that's a, factoring a lot of nostalgia in, but I I tend to like his movies when he has a little bit more free reign because right. I mean even though he doesn't have a budget, he can make stuff look look crazy and as much as i as much as i enjoy it um the 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 van damme aspect of cyborg and things like that i i I think i prefer like just the wacky visuals of like an alien from la is from his canon work and sure down twisted down twisted is a wildly fun movie that desperately needs a blu-ray release hard to find and yeah yeah, and but just a as a fun fun thriller with some really kind of like just really eye-catching stuff this this is a very reserved <laughs> albert albert Pion movie yeah and he seems like he goes for it later because he he really he what does kickboxer 2 he does blood mm-hmm. match also for 21st century mm-hmm. and then eventually just doll man because he starts getting mm-hmm. into full moon though he he does doll man for free he said in an interview <laughs> basically did it for no money so they would just allow him to do what he wanted and then they still took the movie away from him Oh. How on earth? That's, bummer. That's that a bummer. Is crazy. And then Nemesis, which I think is one of my absolute favorite Albert Pune movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's yeah, well Nemesis after is, is, is. I mean, Nemesis taking, is top tier for me. That's... Yeah, to making something out of absolutely nothing. He just does. He does it all in Nemesis. It's it's crazy. But I also really like Dangerously Dangerously Close. I think that's mm-hmm. a really good one. One of his early yeah. earliest canons, right? Yeah, yeah. That that was his first. His first venture into canon canon land <laughs> yeah it's a bummer he's uh, of course just recently passed away so it's a bummer and a, a huge bummer to me that we're not gonna be able to talk about more of his movies because like, like i said i just don't know how new world missed out on him it's crazy um yeah. 
yeah, it's like how how they didn't get a, they, yeah, how they didn't get a hold of him. I just don't know. I it'll be a mystery. Maybe that will when when I'm writing stuff. Uh, it, it, maybe I'll try to figure out. Maybe there'll be some connection somewhere. I'm hoping mm-hmm. to find more of a connection somewhere. But interesting to go back to the to the '90s MCU. It's interesting that uh, again the two movies are, the, are sort of similar because Punisher doesn't come out in video for years because New World fell apart. And Captain America didn't come out for a couple of years and then they just kind of get thrown out on video, which I think is in light of the way Marvel movies are dominating movie theaters today would be surprising. I think that's probably what was surprising to our kids. Like, why is mm-hmm. this so low rent? I mean, it's Captain America, right? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, Mark? <laughs> you bet. I totally agree. <laughs> I was, I was, I couldn't, I don't, I don't understand. I was perplexed. I, I will say that I watched this on a flight yesterday and uh, my daughter was next to me and she looked over and just said, what are you watching? And I said, Captain America. And she watched it for a little bit and she looked me straight in the eyes and said, that looks terrible. And I was like, well, you know. I don't know. I just started. So, um, and you were like, I've seen way worse. Yeah. Way worse. You, you don't know the movies we have to watch. This yeah, very true. Very, very true. You say so you immediately put Teen Vamp on for and said, Watch <laughs> Teen Vamp now. Watch, watch this. And you come back to me after you're done watching this yeah. and you tell me. Begging me to watch Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> Austin, but I, I, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Thank you oh, so thank much. Thank you for having me. It was thank awesome you. having you. Great meeting you and great having you on here. Um is yeah, this is uh, our marvelous May. Mark's miserable marvelous May. And uh we're gonna be talking about some more Marvel movies. Uh what's your favorite Marvel movie, Austin? Favorite Marvel movie. Gosh, so I'm I'm way behind. I I will admit that I'm probably four years behind on on the current stuff. But I mean, I I loved Ant Man. Is that nice? <laughs> I, okay. I, it's just I the the I, I again I haven't seen the ones if there's two or three of them now. Three, I think. The, the third one just came out. Yeah. Yeah, I have I haven't seen the the sequels yet. But I I mean, so out of all of all of the movies, something that really sticks with me is the the when he's on the train mm-hmm. the toy train, the, set. train yeah that's yeah. That, out of all of those movies like that's I like the humor and i i, I yeah. love that it's, and yeah, i love the interactive like visuals yeah. that's a good yeah. one it's a it's a light-hearted one mark you just to just let you know it's not really mm-hmm. it's that, paul rudd you should give it a shot mark not gonna it's watch paul rudd. it he's no he's no <laughs> ned Beatty, but you know right it's not erica's type <laughs> erica's type is a real Rudd ought to really baity it up when he does one of those Ant-Man movies and she'd be into it. <laughs> so thank you again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Nearly New World. I just don't understand how New World bought Marvel and did not know that they didn't have Captain America. That's crazy to me. They didn't have Spider-Man. That's also crazy. What were they thinking? But anyway, <laughs> um, uh, and so we hope you enjoyed this episode. And uh, where can people find you, Austin, online? I am at Canon Film Guide on Facebook and Twitter. Um, so yeah, that's all one a, word. A great I'm on there follow. All the time. You filled <laughs> with like a very informational tweet. I don't know how you get that much information into a tweet, even with the longer, the bigger amount of characters we're now allowed. It's just not, you know, it's a great follow. Lots of really interesting oh. stuff all the time. Thank um, you. <laughs> and 
obviously I love the books because I own them. Uh, so <laughs> definitely get a hold of these books if you can. Uh, terrific. I did. I didn't skimp on the first one. I got the hardcover. Oh, um, nice. The second one, you can't get the hardcover. It's just too massive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it, it's it much is. easier to read in the soft cover. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but get those books, follow Austin, follow us. You can find all the information about us at our website, newworldpicturespodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye, everybody.